This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers for Sofia Coppola's 2010 film, Somewhere. Welcome to a new episode of Franchises and Filmogs. This is your host, Zach. Today, we've probably got a little bit of a shorter episode. We'll talk about why in a second. First of all, how are you doing? Let me know how you're doing. You can send me a message through social media. I'm hoping to hear from some of my listeners. Let me know where you're coming from, where you're listening from, what what country, what city, what political division, anything like that. Today, I'm recording this on Monday. Uh, it will come out on Tuesday evening around 5 p.m. per the usual schedule. We release new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the day after that, we'll be inaugurating a new president here in the United States, so we'll see how that goes. I hope everybody is I don't know if I'd say thriving. I hope you're thriving. If you are thriving, I'm glad to hear it. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope that COVID is not affecting your life more than usual, I guess, at this point. Uh, but there is good news on the horizon. I'm pretty optimistic. There's vaccines coming out. There's new management coming in. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm optimistic. Let's start talking about a movie today. Uh, today we're talking about Somewhere. This is episode 47 of season four of Franchises and Filmogs, where we are focusing on Sofia Coppola's filmography. And this is her 2010 film. It was released or made with a budget of $7 million. The cumulative worldwide gross is $14.7 million dollars. A much different scale than her previous film, Marie Antoinette, which we talked about in the last episode. But I do have some interesting facts. And I'll start with the reason why this podcast is probably going to be pretty short. Uh, most of these podcasts run about 20 to 25 minutes. I think this one, I'm hoping to get about 10 to 15 minutes, but we'll see. We'll see. This film does not have a lot of dialogue. It is a pretty slow burner film. And in fact, this film does not have any dialogue until 15 minutes and two seconds. So that's a pretty interesting fact. And this film's not very long. It's about 98 minutes, I think, was the runtime. So a little over an hour and a half. But it feels pretty long. I liked it a lot, and we'll talk about that. But there's, it, it's a slow burn for sure. Uh, it, it stars Stephen Dorff and Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning is probably about 11 years old in this film. She says she's 11 in the film, and I think that's pretty close to her actual age, if not her actual age. This film takes place a lot at the Chateau Marmont, and I might be saying that inaccurately, but it is a place in Italy. And Stephen Dorff, the main character who plays the father of Elle Fanning, he chose to live at Chateau Marmont to get fully into character. And after watching this film, I don't think that's a bad gig. I think he got it pretty nice. I would definitely live there if I was filming this. Uh, I don't know how that changed him emotionally as an actor. It might have. It might have given him a little more feeling of upper class or high status. But that that's pretty nice to get to live at a very luxury resort. I don't know if it's qualified as a resort or a hotel. It looks like a resort to me. I don't know too much about the Chateau Marmont. I haven't been there myself. Maybe one day we'll see how successful this podcast is. We'll see how successful the rest of my life is. And maybe one day I will stay at the Chateau Marmont, assuming it still exists. 
I've definitely heard of this place before, so I assume it still exists. I guess we'll see how COVID has affected it, but yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day I will stay there for at least a weekend. We'll see. Uh, the script for this film was only 43 pages long, which sounds really short for a 98-minute film. That's not a very long script at all. So that's an interesting fact, and that's pretty much all the facts I have that I found super interesting on IMDb. There's a couple more facts on IMDb, so I can refer you over to IMDb to look at some more facts if you're more interested about Somewhere by Sofia Coppola. Uh, but aside from that, that's all the facts I have, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to talk about some uh, some things about this film, some some topics, if you will, some subjects, but we'll be right back. In my opinion, Somewhere is a more artsy take on Lost in Translation. It's very similar to the story of Lost in Translation, but this one focuses more on a father-daughter relationship as opposed to an old actor and a young person stranded in Tokyo not knowing the language or the culture too well. So it does have sort of that relationship between an older actor and a younger girl at the same time as Lost in Translation did. And this is a slower movie like Lost in Translation was. This one, however, focuses a little more, I think, on the actual shots in the film. There's a lot of slow zooms, whether it's in or out. We get both zoom ins, zoom outs. There's a lot of just setup and scenery. The first scene of this film, I think, is just like a stripping act uh, where there's a guy in a hotel room played by Stephen Dorff. He is Johnny. Johnny is an old washed up actor, similarly to Bill Murray in Lost in Translation kind of in real life, although Bill Murray is not really washed up, I guess. But this is really just a hangout movie. We're just following these two characters, the father and the daughter. As they're just living, there's a little bit of emotion, but it's more subtle and you kind of have to read into it. There's no big speech that happens. The very end of this film is pretty interesting. I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but there's no big like breakout speech. There's one scene, I think, with Elle Fanning, who is crying a little bit. Uh, but aside from that, there's not much, not much other dialogue that seems too important to the story. And I think it's a very interesting, and I really like this film because Coppola chooses this, this way of telling this story. It doesn't feel like anything is forced into the script. She's just letting these two actors play out their lives or the lives of their characters. And Dorf, as we said, Stephen Dorf lived at the Chateau Marmont Resort during the filming of this. So he definitely got that experience of being away from family. I don't know if he is in a long-term relationship. I know almost nothing about Steven Dorf. It was very interesting because I looked up his filmography and I've definitely seen films with him in them, but he seems like a pretty standard character that hasn't stood out to me much. And I didn't know him by name until watching this film. And this is a really good role for him. 
he plays a really good curmudgeon washed-up actor. And he also clearly has relationship problems in this film with his wife and his daughter. And we'll talk about that in a minute. There's similarly to Lost in Translation, there's phone calls that Johnny makes to his wife or his, I think they're divorced at this point, but his previous wife about taking care of Elle Fanning, the daughter. So that's interesting. That seems like it relates to Lost in Translation because Bill Murray is on the phone a lot with his wife while he's in Tokyo. Uh, And... Similarly to Lost in Translation, this takes place mostly in a foreign country, in Italy. There's some scenes in California. There was a little bit of some pacing issues I had with this film where we jump from Italy to California. But at the same time, I'm pretty okay with that because it definitely feels like the real life where you wake up in one place. Actors are constantly traveling around the world to film. You wake up in one place, you end up in another you fall asleep in another place. So you go from Italy to California, back to Italy, back to California, and it's a constant cycle, maybe to Tokyo, like in Lost in Translation. So that was interesting to me. And I think this is a very effective way to tell this story. We get some cultural differences between Italy and the US, similarly to Lost in Translation. We get a dubbed version of Friends in Italian playing on TV. That's pretty interesting to watch. Uh, I have not watched all of Friends. So if you've watched all of Friends, maybe you can tell me what episode that one clip that we saw on TV was from. Uh, There's also an interview that Johnny has with foreign press, I guess. And similarly to Lost in Translation, the interview is much different than an American interview or a United States interview. And the person interviewing Stephen Dorff's character is much more energetic than you would normally see in a U.S. interview. And you can see that it makes Stephen Dorff uncomfortable. So that was that was really neat to see. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to start with, is this film is definitely similar to Lost in Translation in a lot of different aspects. But it's told in a slightly slowed down way. And we're going to talk about why this is a slow burner coming up right after this break. So there are quite a few scenes that I think are worth talking about. And all of these scenes really slow down the film. Uh, it feels a lot like a Steve McQueen film. If you're familiar with him, he's the director of hunger. He actually just released a bunch of new films on Amazon. I have not seen any of them yet. I believe one is called mangrove. One is called lovers rock. And there's a couple others. Those are the only two I really have heard a lot about. Uh, he also directed widows, which is maybe his most fast paced film from what I remember. Uh, he has directed what else? He's directed a few others. Oh, uh, 12 Years a Slave. That's a very slow film as well. Uh, But yeah, this film feels a lot like a Steve McQueen film in that sense. Not the old actor, Steve McQueen. Very different people. Um, This film starts off with just a car driving in circles. 
And we're not really sure if this is something being filmed. It seems like Steven Dorf is a stuntman or Johnny is a stuntman in this film. Uh, so he's just driving this car around in circles. And that goes on for like, I want to say about five minutes. It might have been less, but it feels like a long time because you don't know what's really happening. You don't know any story and no dialogue comes in until 15 minutes and two seconds into the film. So it's slow. It's slow to start, but it it's a very pretty film. And all of the shots are definitely intentionally set up in a certain way. There's a scene where Johnny is in this face mask because they're trying to make him look like an old person. And this shot goes on for another like five minutes. It's pretty early in the film as well. And it's just slowly zooming in and you just see him in this like white plaster mask and you only really see two nose holes for his nostrils and he's just breathing and we're slow zooming and it's pretty uncomfortable. It feels overly long, but I think there's probably some metaphors that you could read into if you're watching that, like maybe he is covering himself really because it's a lot about his relationship with his daughter and how he acts in life. And he does not act like a father, really. He acts more like a buddy all the time. Uh, he doesn't seem to care too much about what Elle Fanning is doing throughout the film or what his daughter in the film is doing. And often she is more of his anchor than he is of hers. So you definitely get that. He's, he's more repressed than he seems and he really wants to party on the inside, but he's covered on the outside because he has a child and he needs to act somewhat responsibly. That's what I take mostly from this film. There's also a scene where Elle Fanning is just swimming and he's like sitting in the hot tub and he's just like, yeah, keep swimming, keep swimming. It just seems like he wants her to be distracted and he doesn't really want to take care of her most of the time. He's more burdened with the task of taking care of her. And that changes over the course of the film. He seems to be more close to her by the end of the film, but he still isn't fully taking care of her. And of course her mom is out of the picture. So that does not help him. He feels more burdened by that, I guess. And he doesn't know when her mom is going to come back. She just says, I'm leaving, I'm done. And the daughter doesn't know when her mom's coming back either. So that doesn't help. Uh, and then there's also a scene where we're just zooming out. We get more strokes music. So it seems like Sofia Coppola is a huge fan of the strokes because we got that with Marie Antoinette. We'll see if that comes up in some more films. There's just a slow zoom out of the daughter and the father sitting out at the pool, slowly zooming out. Nothing really much doing. I didn't take much away from that scene, but it extends the film. Uh, and then the very end of the film, we just have Johnny walking off. He's driving his car, and then he stops on the side of the road, and he walks off, and this music comes in blaring, and it seems like he's made some sort of realization about his relationship with his daughter. The daughter is no longer with him, but it it definitely feels like there's some realization, which is why he gets out of the car, walks off. And I don't know if I missed something early in the film. It's easy to miss stuff if you blink in this film because everything is so focused on specific shots. 
but I didn't fully understand the meaning of the end. It felt a little bit like he's getting redemption for something, but I don't know. I think maybe he's just realizing that he is able to bond better with his daughter. If you have any ideas about that and want to send me some information about the ending, definitely feel free to shoot that over to me. Uh, but yeah, this, this film really just focuses on relationships and parenting. Uh, it's hard to tell who's more of a careless parent, the mother or the father. It seems like the father has always been off doing his acting and he sees his daughter maybe once a week, maybe even less, depending on where he is. But the mom all of a sudden goes, I can't do this anymore. She leaves the daughter. She tells the daughter basically that she's going to live with the father for a while until she can figure it out. And she has the father take the the daughter to some sort of camp for a couple weeks. But Elle Fanning is crying. She gives a really good performance in this film, but she's crying because she doesn't know when her mom's coming back. So it begs the question of who is a worse parent, really. Neither of these parents are good. The father, while he is capable of taking care of the daughter, he is not very involved in her life, it seems at all. He doesn't seem to care too much. He's like, yeah, just make whatever you want for dinner. I'm going to go out and go to the neighbor's bedroom while you stay here. He like sneaks out while she's asleep because he doesn't seem to really care about wanting to look over her or watch over her uh, and make sure that she's okay. Uh, and then in the morning, of course, he's back and the lady that he slept with comes into the apartment and or not the apartment, the uh, hotel room and has breakfast with them all. So that's that leads to some interesting questions, I'm sure, for Elle Fanning's character. Uh, the last thing I noticed was when I was watching this film toward the end of the film, you can tell that the father really doesn't know how to take care of himself. I think he's an actor that's so used to being taken care of by press, by people that are employing him. Uh, maybe he's used to crew lunches all the time, but he makes pasta. And I think he's still in Italy at this point. He might be back in California. I don't remember exactly, but he makes pasta and it looks like it's pasta for like five plus people. It's a ridiculous amount of pasta. And I'm just wondering if he plans to eat all that pasta. And he just makes a very simple dinner, which I think is to show that he just did not really know how to take care of himself. Because earlier in the film, El Fanning makes Eggs Benedict for him and one of his buddies, I think. And he's like, this is the best Eggs Benedict ever. I don't know. At, a, at age 11, I had no clue how to make Eggs Benedict. So Elle Fanning, props to her in this film for being a ridiculously good chef at such a young age. Uh, so, so it was interesting to me. It seems like his daughter takes care of him more than he takes care of her. And that's just kind of their relationship. And I think that's the big message of this film. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoy this film. I give it a three and a half out of five stars, which is pretty good because this is a very slow film. It's not normally a type of film I enjoy a lot because of how slow it is. I don't like a lot of Steve McQueen films just because they are so dragged out. Like it will focus on, I think in Hunger, there's one scene of this guy just mopping a floor. And I don't like, 
I'm okay with reading into the messages of certain scenes, but when it gets to almost every scene being like a metaphor for something, it's too much for my brain. I, I need some enjoyment as well. So this film, I liked it quite a bit because it still feels like there's a great soundtrack. There's a lot of focus on the story, but it's told in, in an interesting way. And it's not a very complex story either. So your mind can easily wrap around it and you can really think about the scenes without thinking too hard about them, I guess. And it's pretty open to interpretation. So it's a very good art film. Uh, the last thing I kind of wanted to say before I leave you guys for the day is that this podcast is on Apple Podcasts. And it would be really cool to get some reviews on there. I think I have like two reviews right now. So this is a little bit of a self-plug. Just I, I want to see what you guys think about the show, about the podcast. So if you want to drop a review, go for it. It can be good or bad. I hope it's good. But if it's bad, I mean, hey, constructive criticism is always good. Uh, but yeah, you can drop a review on there, rate it out of five. I like rating things out of five, clearly, as I've been doing that with most of the films lately. Let me know what you think of, of the podcast. You can message me if you're not interested in putting feedback out on the internet. You can just message me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what kind of films you want me to look, look into for the next season. And I'll be back next time. We're going to talk about maybe the most controversial film of Sofia Coppola's career thus far. I don't know much of the controversy, but I feel like there is some controversy behind it. And it might be my least favorite of her films. We'll see. It looks like it's not going to be my kind of film. But maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. And we're going to talk about The Bling Ring. So you can look forward to that. That episode will be out on Thursday at 5 p.m. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your day whenever you're listening to this.